Sky is the Limits. Today we have a special guest, Dr. Jan Vendetti, the Associate Curator of Malacology and the Snail and Slug Expert of the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles. Hi. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Great. Um, my first question is, how did you come to study slugs and snails, since it's not exactly something common for someone to study? Yeah, that's right. Um, well, when I was a kid, I was interested in um, sea creatures that lived in tide pools. Like That was what, what really got my interest as a, as a kid. And I was a biology major when I went to college um, because I was interested in, in, in evolution and organisms and, bio and invertebrates and things like that. And then I went to graduate school and I studied with somebody who studied snails. And then, um, and then I also, uh, after that, moved to Los Angeles to study some more with somebody who studied sea slugs. So, all of my, my schooling from my PhD degree, uh, which was at UC Berkeley, and then my postdoc, which is like the extra research you do after you get a PhD, that was in Los Angeles. It was all um, gastropods. So it was all snails and slugs. And I that thus became a malacologist. Like there, was, there were no specific courses that I ever took in just mollusks, but when learning about invertebrates, you always do like um, a week or two on the mollusks because they're such a big group. The biggest, biggest group are the arthropods, but the second biggest group in diversity are the mollusks. So, so I, I, I learned quite a bit about them, but there was no specific like course I could take or like school program I could go to just to learn about them. So I, I ended up learning about them from a lot of different people and that turned me into a malacologist. Oh, that's really interesting. Like, there's lots of cool stuff in tide pools. So my next question um, is, is um, have, have there been any slugs that you've, or like snails or mollusks that are alive that you've kind of like liked or been like um, friends with? Friends with? Um. I'll say this, I wouldn't say friends with exactly, but I remember um, somewhat recently in Los Angeles, people thought that there was one species of this like tan and brown slug that was introduced from Europe. So a lot of our slugs in Los Angeles, most of our slugs in Los Angeles are from other places because just like people, a lot of people come to Los Angeles and wanna live here, but we're not all from here originally. So. Anyway, the slugs do the same thing. So they ended up here and we thought we had one species and it turned out we had two species, but they looked almost identical. So when we encounter this second one, 
when we figure out what it is, I feel like I have this like special relationship with this second species of slug because it was it was sort of like hiding in Los Angeles, looking like this other species. And we didn't even know that that, we didn't know who it really was. So I feel like excited that we figured out um, who this little slug species was and got to got to give it a name. I mean, it's it already had a name, but we were like, oh, it's you. And so now when I see those slugs, I think like, I've met you before and, and we didn't think you were here and here you are. So, so I, I don't know if it was, it's not my friend exactly, but it's close. So, so it's kind of, so it's kind of like, it's your like own, like this slug species that you kind of like met before and you kind of like know a little bit about them. Yes. Yes. I felt, I feel like we know each other. Well, or at least I know it, it might not know me. <laughs> but um, I know it. So my next question is how is from it's, since we go to the compost every morning because that's where our slugs are, we we kind of just just judge if they're neonates or adults um, in the terms of their like, are they like thick and big or are they just like tiny? So mm -hmm. is is there um, is there any other ways to tell the difference between neonates and adults? You're probably doing you're probably interpreting it correctly from, from their outsides. On their insides, if you, were, if, if you were to dissect them, you would be able to tell. So on their insides, they have reproductive parts that are very, very tiny and almost like indistinguishable. Do you know what that means? Like hard, hard to even yeah. see what it is you're looking at. So if, you, if, you, if they were in like a museum collection and you were to dissect some slugs and they were um, immature, they would have reproductive parts that were very, very small. But then as they mature, their reproductive parts become so much of their insides so that when you, if you were to dissect one, you would very clearly see, oh, this is a, this is an adult or a mature individual because all of its reproductive parts are all like grown and as big as they're going to get. Okay. Okay. So my next question is the original silly question. So I I read I read um a part of the paper you and um Rory wrote and there's a small part about um this um gender that accidentally took one of the slug specimens and and threw it away. What was your reaction to that? Oh, that's right. So so right. So Rory had um that's right. Rory had a whole bunch of this slug that I was just telling you about. It's called Ambigolimax um, nictelius in um, a freezer and the freezer was cleaned out. That's what you're talking about, right? The freezer was cleaned out and they got thrown away. Yeah. Yeah, he was pretty, he was pretty sad about that. Um, I was pretty sad about that too because we would have in order to in order to say a species is someplace for the first time you should have what's called a voucher specimen like something a stat specimen or or the specimen that you discovered or or say you discovered five of them maybe one of them or two of them are in a museum as like evidence right not on exhibit in a museum but in the collections 
that's why we have museums is that we keep all of these these specimens in the collections so that other people can study them or people in the future can study them and um so that was a uh, that was that was disappointing because we have no evidence other than the dna from that those specimens that um that rory had but yeah we're we're pretty he's pretty bummed about that and then as we were writing up the paper we were we we're like ah well but that's how it goes you know like we still had a great paper and we still got to use a lot of evidence we just didn't get to use we just didn't have a voucher specimen for for that it was okay <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of funny but that's why they should be in a museum yeah right they should not be in some freezer somewhere they should be in a museum where no one's going to throw them away yeah or no one's maybe they're less likely much less likely to throw them away okay my my next question is uh is um what's the most surprising slug fact you know because we know that slugs have twenty seven thousand teeth are there any other surprising slug facts? that's very specific let's see <laughs> surprising slug fact surprising slug fact well one the first thing that came to mind was that um slug slime is has been researched and i guess in some applications is being used as an adhesive in um wound repair so for doctors it's not it's not just slug slime but there are people who are called like materials chemists or even um uh, maybe materials engineers and they look to the natural they look at the natural world and they look at at uh, chemicals in the natural world and they try to figure out are those chemicals maybe better than the ones that we have now that we use for certain things so one group of scientists um, they were studying the stickiness of slug slime and they said you know we could use some of we could make a chemical very similar to this this sticky slug slime and use it um, instead of like if you if you get cut or right accidentally cut yourself and you have to have stitches mm -hmm. like you, you get you get sewn up by a doctor there might be a way to use that sticky slug slime instead of having to sew somebody up with stitches you could put that that sticky slug slime on in their wound and then press their skin together and stick it together but it's not it's it would be made by a lab but but sort of inspired by and using some of the same chemicals that slugs naturally use okay i thought that was fun yeah that's, fun that's pretty cool so my last question is um after our interview with Rory, we realized that we have two slug species in our composter. Is that common? Two species? Where do you mind me asking where you live, Lucille? Um, we 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 kind of live in West LA. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. So I, that's right. I, I forgot. I was just going to interject that Rory identified one of the species as being the same one um, that what is it like the tree banded iberian yeah that's the one i was talking about that yeah yeah so uh, our friend too. <laughs> right you see them every day um and then what's the other what's the other one maybe deraceris reticulatum did he tell you that well he he wasn't i don't know if he was sure like we have one that looks like a leopard you know it has kind of the leopard print yeah. 
Yeah, all the neonates are like that, but like yeah. um, some of the like really big big slugs, I think they they have they're just like the grit like brownish gray. Yeah. We need to submit to iNaturalist. Yeah. <laughs> well, or send me send me your photos and I can okay. I can um yeah, Nictelius Ambigolimax Nictelius, the uh, Iberian 3 three striped slug. It's got like a I think a few a greenhouse slug it's sometimes called. Um it's difficult to tell from the species that we already knew was here, which is Amigolimax valentianus. So those two look like they're really hard to tell apart from the outside. But um, but there's some giveaways, some, like most of some of the time, if it has certain characteristics, it's like maybe 85% once you could be like 85% sure that it's one species and not the other. I'm sure that's why Rory ID'd it that way. Um, the other species you might have is uh, uh, Deroceris or Deroceris, it's Deroceris reticulatum, which is like a mottled, I don't know if you know what that means, like like kind of brownish and whitish and grayish, all sort of together. Hmm. And it's it's about the same size. So probably a little like like stouter, maybe a little like thicker as a slug. Um, those two are really common. So that you have those two is is pretty um, typical. For, for Los Angeles. You also might have the biggest slug in, in California, well, other than the banana slug, the biggest introduced slug is this big thick slug called Limacus flavus. It's called the, um, the, the cellar slug, yellow cellar slug. It's like greenish and yellow and it has blue optical tentacles. You know, right? right? You have like those two, two sets of tentacles, the, op the ones with the eyes and the feelers, mm -hmm. right? On their heads. The ones uh, that have their eyes those tentacles are blue in that species. And it's not, it's, they're all nocturnal, like they're all more active at night than during the day, but that one is particularly like nocturnal and a lot of people um, find it at night if they go out with a, a flashlight. Anyway, it's a cool slug. That's very cool. I don't um, think we have that one. Um, thank you for answering my questions. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you.